Hey there, friends and foes. You are listening to the Back of the Cereal Box podcast. I am your host, the prophet of pop culture, John Pika. You can call me Johnny. And on this episode, I'm going to give you my thoughts about Kenobi Episode 5 and Ms. Marvel Episode 2 and discuss a little bit the fan reactions and ask the question, do fans expect too much? And we are going to do that right after this. It's like... Thank you for tuning in. This is Back of the Cereal Box. I am your host, the prophet of pop culture, John Pika. You can call me Johnny. And Back of the Cereal Box is a pop culture podcast that celebrates the fun of the Saturday mornings of our youth while surviving adulthood today. I am of a generation where we did not have iPhones or iPads at the breakfast table on Saturday morning. So we were reading the back of the cereal box. That was our newspaper. That was our world. That, for me, was a portal into pop culture that we talk about today. And I like to tell people that Saturday morning cartoons, Avengers comics, and Star Wars movies made me who I am today. And that's what we talk about on this podcast. Cartoons, comics, Kaiju, Kung Fu movies, board games, Star Wars, the whole nine yards. And I am an absolute Avengers expert, a Star Wars freakosaurus. And so I love talking about this topic. So I wanted to share with you my thoughts about Episode 5 of Kenobi and Ms. Marvel Episode 2, and talk a little bit about fan reactions. Now, I am not going to spoil anything. There will be no spoilers on purpose in this episode. I just want to give my general thoughts and talk about the fandom reactions. So, let's start with Kenobi first. I want to say that I've been enjoying this show. I think that Episode 5, the penultimate That's a hard word to say, ladies and gentlemen. Penultimate. The penultimate episode in the six-episode series has been by far the best of the series. And I previously stated on a podcast that I believe that Boba Fett, the Book of Boba Fett episode five, was the most Star Wars Star Wars ever made, and I take it back. Kenobi Episode 5 was the most Star Wars, Star Wars ever made. And it had everything a Star Wars fan wants. It had Darth Vader being the badass Dark Lord of the Sith. 
It had legions of stormtroopers. It had betrayals. It had twists and turns. It had drama. And what they've done is kind of remarkable because I found myself in episode five, knowing how these characters' stories end, really, really on the edge of my seat. Look, if you don't know already, Leia is a major character, a 10-year-old Leia. She's been kidnapped by Reva, one of the Inquisitors, and we, 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 we get to see Obi-Wan go on a mission the first time to rescue Leia when she was only 10 years old, not the 21-year-old Leia that gets abducted in Star Wars A New Hope. And I get the feeling from this series that Leia being abducted may be a regular occurrence in her life. So um, we see Kenobi go after her, and a lot of fans have been really complaining about, well, why don't we see more backstory with, you know, Anakin Skywalker and Ben Kenobi, Anakin uh, or, or Vader and, and Obi-Wan. And my response is, how much more backstory do you need? You had three movies, ostensibly four, with episode four, New Hope, and seven, seven seasons of, seasons of the Clone Wars animated series. How much more backstory do you really need? But that's been a complaint. Some fans have complained that the series focuses on new characters too much instead of Vader and Obi-Wan. Well, hold your horses. There's six episodes and there's a story to be told. So just hold on. But more than that, you know, I, I feel like Fans were divided on this series going in. I was one of those fans that felt like we didn't need this show. We had everything we needed from Obi-Wan Kenobi and Vader in films and the Clone Wars series. But some fans were really clamoring for this. Because they were hoping for something that they weren't going to get. A lot of fans built this up as the ultimate rematch between Vader and Obi-Wan. Well, that already happened in Episode 4, A New Hope. Um, so, are we going to get that in Episode 6? I don't know. Do I need it? No. Um, has this episode done anything to change my opinion of the character of Obi-Wan. See, I went into this series not excited at all because I don't like the character of Obi-Wan. I think Obi-Wan is a manipulative douchebag. And he always has been, and he was all the way through Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Even as a Force ghost, Ben was manipulating Luke. And this series has done nothing to change my opinion of Luke. However, it has made me a even bigger fan of Leia, Princess of Alderaan. And it's made me a fan of one of the new characters, Reva, who, again, has been divisive among fans. I think real hardcore Star Wars fans have actually really taken to her, the same way they took to Ahsoka. 
But, um, you know, this this series did not change my opinion of Obi-Wan. Now, here's... We're going to talk about this in a minute. What really hurts my heart is seeing divisive comments, racist comments, people calling Obi-Wan trash because they didn't get what they expected or what they anticipated. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So those are my thoughts on Kenobi Episode 5, and we'll go back to that in just a minute. Now, I also, this week, watched Ms. Marvel Episode 2. Now, both of these series are on Disney+. Plus. Of course, Kenobi is Lucasfilm, part of the Star Wars universe. Ms. Marvel is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU. And a lot of fans early on were a little bit hesitant about this series because they were changing her power set a little bit. And I'm not entirely convinced yet that they've actually changed it that much. They, they've changed maybe the source of her powers from being, you know, something she was born with as an inhuman to possibly being a Kree artifact with the, the bracelet. Is it, is it Kree technology? Is it Eternals technology? Dun, dun, dun. We could find that out. But I went into this series not a Ms. Marvel fan. I was not a fan of the character of Kamala Khan just because I never resonated with that that character. I never resonated with a teenage girl, and I always felt like the polymorphic abilities that she had stretching and expanding and growing and shrinking just didn't fit with the namesake of Ms. Marvel because Traditionally, the Marvel characters, the Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, Carol Danvers, Marvel, Genus Vell, Phyla Vell, Monica Rambo, all had energy based powers. And so, for Kamala Khan to have these polymorphic inhuman abilities just didn't sit right with me as a comic book fan. And granted, I've been a comic book fan since 1975. I've read all of the uh, Ms. Marvel series, all of her appearances in the Avengers. I picked up the solo Captain Marvel series here and there when the story arc seemed interesting, but I've never collected it ongoing. But I've remained very aware of Carol Danvers' story. I was actually a big fan of the movie staring Brie Larson. I know I'm in the minority among fandom. Uh, I may have my geek card pulled, but I actually really enjoyed that movie. There's nothing wrong with it as a movie, and I was actually okay with the liberties they took with Marvel's origin. Now, that having been said, I went into Ms. Marvel not really excited about it like I was for the other Disney Plus MCU shows. I was kind of on the fence. I was going to give it a chance, though, and you got to keep in mind that so far, my favorite Disney Plus series has been Moon Knight because I adore that character and I thought it was exceptionally well done and I was captivated by the story. So knowing that Ms. Marvel was going to be a lighter, more fast-paced story focusing on teenage characters, I went in with it 
went into it with a little bit of trepidation. Immediately, I was thrilled because they use a style of storytelling that is very reminiscent of Scott Pilgrim versus the world, uh, Mitchell's versus the machines, using a lot of different textures, colors, and ways to express what's happening in the story through animated or alternative methods. And stylistically, right away, I was hooked. What I did not expect was to become a fan of the character of Kamala Khan. And I did not expect to resonate with the story of her struggle with her and her parents. And as a father of a strong-willed daughter, uh, it really did resonate pretty substantially. And in, in short, I've become a fan of Ms. Marvel. I really, really loved it. And to be honest with you, I love coming-of-age stories. I love hero's journey stories. And this is, this is Ms. Marvel's hero's journey. And um, I'll tell you what, it started off with a bang. Season 2 already, or episode 2, already left us with this mystery cliffhanger that um, I'm all in for. I can't wait to, to see and learn more. But what I'm not thrilled with is the reaction from other fans. So a lot of fans have been railing about both of these shows. I've seen a lot of toxic just vile commentary online. You know, people complaining that Disney is pushing a Muslim agenda or people complaining about Reva being a, an African-American woman. And, you know, those are racist. And, you know, people talking about woke Disney because both of these series feature strong women characters and that's sexist and and look i'm the father of a of a super independent daughter who i love seeing strong independent female characters that she can look to as role models the other thing that i see is this expectation of fans to meet what they thought these shows would be you know, the fans have this built-up idea that they should expect to see something in these shows, that the story should go in a certain way, and they have this, what I call, false sense of ownership. See, it all stems from the fact that fans believe that they actually own these characters and own these stories, and you don't. We don't own these characters. We don't own these stories. We don't own these IPs. And there should be no expectation that our demands, that our desires, that our fantasies be fulfilled by the creators. If they do, great. But if not, then that doesn't mean that the product is not good. Now, do I love everything in the Kenobi or Miss Marvel series? No. Are there things that I take issue with? Sure. Are there things that I maybe would have done differently as a writer or creator? Sure. But guess what? I'm not the writer. I'm not the director. 
My only job as a fan is to sit back and be entertained by the story that is being told by the people who do own the IPs, the people who do own the characters and do own the stories, and and enjoy the tale that they are weaving for what it is. Does that mean I have to love everything? No, not at all. I can still dislike something, but that doesn't mean just because it didn't resonate with me or I didn't like it that it sucks or that it's horrible or the worst thing ever or that it's even boring. It just means that I'm not the intended demographic. It didn't connect with me, but I can still appreciate the effort, the craftsmanship, the vision of the creators. And quite honestly, I don't comment about things that I don't like anyway. We take the the stance here at Back of the Cereal Box that we celebrate the things that we love. We are not going to win by tearing down the things that we hate. We're going to win by celebrating and saving the things that we love. Rose Tico taught us that in The Last Jedi. So I think it all comes down to this false sense of ownership. And once you get past that and understand that you don't own these characters, you don't own these stories, you're going to enjoy this a whole lot more and it's going to be a much better experience for you. Look, I'm of the generation where we didn't have any of this. Prior to 2008, we had Batman, well, we had Superman. We, we had the original Star Wars films. We had the Superman trilogy. And then we didn't have anything until 1989. And then we got Tim Burton's Batman. And we got those four films, which almost destroyed the comic book film industry altogether. And we didn't have anything again until 1999 with The Phantom Menace. And then you consider this. After the prequel trilogy, we didn't have anything again until 2008 and Iron Man. And that blew the lid off of everything. And now we have TV shows. We have animated movies. We have streaming services like Disney+, Plus, Netflix, HBO Max, Paramount, Peacock, Hulu, CW. They're all producing comic book sci-fi and geek culture content and and i like to say that everything's awesome and nobody's happy about it look you could be back during the dark times in the late 80s where daredevil was rex smith in a black leotard on the trial of the incredible hulk google it you'll see what i mean and that's all we got and we loved it When Howard the Duck came out, is it a good movie? No. Is it maybe one of the worst movies ever made? Possibly. Is it so bad that it's brilliant? Probably closer to the truth. Did we love it? Absolutely. It's all we had, and we ate it up. And we said, Please, sir, would you give us more? Fans today are so spoiled. You are so spoiled. I wish some of you had lived through the dark times. The other problem that we have besides the sense of ownership is this this sense among older fans, 
my generation, older and even a little bit younger, that our IPs should age with us. That's been one of the complaints about Kenobi, is that why are we getting the story about 10-year-old Leia? Where's, where's Darth Vader, you know, killing everybody? And where's the grittiness and the darkness and the horrific nature of the Empire? And you got to remember... That's not the vision that George Lucas had when he created Star Wars. It was created for 10 to 12-year-old boys. It was an action-adventure that was suitable for that age range, and Star Wars should always remain that way, no matter how old we as the fans get, no matter how mature we get, and no matter how much we think it should age with us, it should remain true to its original vision. So... Those are a few of my thoughts about Kenobi and Ms. Marvel and fandom in general. I'll have more thoughts as they occur to me, but that's just off the top of my head. I would love to hear your thoughts as well. Now, before we leave... I need to talk just a little bit about our sponsor, Hitchhiker Toys. I love Hitchhiker Toys in White House, Tennessee. They are locally owned, family run, and their focus is on the local community. Look, they have something new every time I go in there, something that I'm always looking for or need. They've got a great collection of both new and old toys, and they buy, they sell, they trade. And I just love the experience, especially since they are family-run business. Every time I go in, I see Jamie's smiling face. She's happy to see us, and she is so willing to be helpful and to help you find that perfect piece that you're looking for. And if they don't have it in stock, they can get it. Now, you may not be in Middle Tennessee. You may not be able to come in person in White House, Tennessee. You can follow them and connect with them at hitchhikertoys.com. They do mail order, they have eBay auctions and whatnot auctions. So check them out and really uh, tell them, tell them that Back of the Cereal Box sent you. Now, before I leave, I want to ask you guys to do a couple of things. One, if you like the show, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you are listening, post a review, make it good. And if you love the show, consider contributing at backofthecerealbox.fun. There's a little coffee icon. You can click on it and you contribute, you know, a few dollars. Buy us a bowl of cereal or a box of cereal. Help us make the shows even better for you. And while we're at that and while you're at backofthecerealbox.fun, click the little voicemail icon. Leave us a voicemail and we will play it on the show. We would love to have your thoughts, your feedback about this topic. Do you think fandom has any expectation for their demands, their expectations to be met? I would love to hear more from you. And with that, guys and gals, friends and foes, I will say thank you for tuning in. And until the next time, tell... Two, three hundred of your closest friends and family to come share the fun. And until then, we'll catch you on the back of the cereal box.